Yells. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Home Studio Q&A here on Studio Live today for yet another week. This is our weekly show all about home recording, mobile recording, the gear, the apps, the software, the mindset. Mm, maybe we'll talk about that today. My name is Pete and I am your host. Whether you're catching this live on YouTube and Facebook, whether you're watching the video replay or even listening to the audio version on podcast, I hope you are doing well. And I hope you're ready to buckle in for some home studio goodness coming right up. We have a feature topic and then we have your questions. I've got a few questions that have come in during the week that we're going to answer here. But if you are here live, you can jump to the comments there on YouTube. There is a pinned comment at the top on Facebook down in the description. There is a little link there and that'll take you to the Google form. And that Google form is where you can put your question. All I need is your name. And your question. I don't ask for much and I won't sell your information to many folks at all. In fact, it won't be much good because it's just your name. And you can call yourself whatever you want. But it helps if you call yourself your actual name so I can address you. But uh, yeah, go ahead to the, go to the form and throw your questions in there if you have any. But for now, uh, this weekend theme is kind of around keyboards and keyboard shortcuts. And I thought I would talk briefly and have a wee bit of a rant because rants are fun about touchscreen versus keyboard. And I guess keyboard and mouse specifically, um, because a lot of folks have said to me, when they see that I use a keyboard and a mouse on my iPad, they're like, why don't you just get a laptop? And it's not an unfair question. In fact, it's a super fair question. And you know what? Uh, if Apple made touchscreen laptops, maybe I would, but they don't. That's a, that's a uh, topic for another day. Or maybe it is going to be something we cover today. But here's the thing. There's benefits. There's pros and cons of using a touchscreen versus using an actual keyboard. So if you're looking at a touchscreen first and foremost, so your touchscreen on your phone or your tablet, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you're using it on, it's got... Like, you can actually do things. If you're using it for music, the beautiful part about this and the, the thing that changed my world is that you can actually play your instruments directly on the screen. So if you're playing drums, you can tap along to the drums. If you're playing keys, you can actually tap the keys. And you can use touch sensitivity to play different things at different velocities and different volumes. So that was kind of a game changer for me when I realized that, hey, we've got multi-touch, we've got touch sensitivity, and we can actually use the screen here to play stuff in. It just means if you've ever used virtual instruments on a Mac or a PC with your keyboard and your mouse, you have to like program them in or use presets or be there clicking and tapping in, like not even tapping, clicking in the little squares. There's no real way to play it in there. Yeah, you can use your typing keyboard to play in, but if you've ever tried to do that, it's just like there's no touch sensitivity. It's kind of clunky. Typing keyboards are not designed for that. Touchscreens seem to work a lot better. You also just need one device. Like if, if you're like me, and you're a simple person, and I'm getting simpler as I get older. I want less complexity in my life. Just carrying the one device with you and not having to have dongles and peripherals and Bluetooth things connected up is actually cool. Everything I do, everything I do, I do on my iPhone. Sorry, a bit of Brian Adams in there. Everything I do, I can do just with this. I don't have to bring anything else with me. And whether I'm making music, editing video, I can just use the touchscreen that's right here on my phone or on my iPad to do all of those things. And the control is intuitive. Have you ever handed a device to a child that doesn't have a touchscreen? They lose their ever-loving minds. They are so conditioned now to just grabbing something and touching it. And I must admit, I've started doing similarly. The first time I ran iOS apps on my new Mac M1, I was literally reaching up and touching the screen. I did it at least four or five times before I kind of just had to grip my fingers and go, right, Pete, you got to get this through your head. You can't touch it. So I think we're going to see that that's It's just, it is. It is what it is. And again, I, I had an old camera that I was showing my daughter the other day. She's trying to flick through the photos and I'm like, no, honey, you got to press the button. There's like a button. And she's like, why? <laughs> it's a fair question. Why do we have buttons? Why not touch screens? On the flip side, why do I use a keyboard and a mouse? Well, A, it's familiar. So I've used it in the past. And uh, if you've ever used a Mac or a PC and you've created music or you've cre edited video, mouse and keyboard is kind of familiar. And that familiarity can help you with your speed. And talking of speed, things like shortcuts are a lot quicker. And I did a video a couple of days ago, if you caught that one, if you didn't, check it out. Just search my name and keyboard shortcuts. I did a, a video all about GarageBand and the, the keyboard shortcuts. So for instance, if we came over here to GarageBand, you can see that if we have to tap, I'll use my mouse just for, for a demonstration purpose. We have to tap and we want it to say, copy and paste this bit of audio. We have to tap it, we have to copy it, 
we have to move it, we have to come down here, we have to tap it, we have to paste it. Like that all takes quite a bit of time. Whereas if the, the, the difference there is if you just use a keyboard, you can just go Command C and move it down there and go Command V. And things like that, and then looping, like you can just hit the L key and loop things rather than having to go in and like tap on things and go tap, tapper, 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 loop. And it takes a lot longer to do that. So keyboard shortcuts for the wind, wind, <laughs> that too. And the other thing is uh, text entry. So obviously entering text, if you've ever tried to enter text on a touchscreen, sometimes it works, sometimes it's a bit of a pain in the ass. And if you are a QWERTY keyboardist, if you're used to typing on a QWERTY keyboard, having your own actual full-size QWERTY keyboard can be a bit of a game changer. If you touch type at anything above about 30, <laughs> 30 words per minute, uh, then having a keyboard there for your touch device is going to really help. It's going to up your game if, like me, you do anything writing related. I, obviously, I write for preparing show notes for these shows, for writing blog posts and articles and for writing video descriptions. So having a QWERTY keyboard is a good thing. The bottom line, do what works for you. Do what makes you happy. Do what is best for your workflow. There is no right and wrong. It's funny. Every time I put out an opinion, I seem to get device, and that's good. Like you should, there should be division because it should be the only thing you should care about is what's going to work for you. Sure, give your advice to others, as I've just done now. Give your advice to other folks, but I, I don't like definitive statements. And I would never say something like, "I I will never use a keyboard or mouse with my iPad," or "I will only ever use a keyboard or mouse with my iPad." I think definitive statements are dangerous. Plus, you are pushing your opinions onto other people. And as you know, if you've listened to any of my music. I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> so put your opinion out there. Let people know what works for you. And again, it's why every every statement on the internet should be forced by law to start with the words, in my opinion or in my experience, because that's all it is. This All this is, is my experience, what I've experienced using stuff and my opinion of what works best for me. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Take it with a big grain shaker or what uh, are those big piles, mine of salt, you know, the ones next to Salt Lake, so it's big, anyway, we're getting off track, we're in a bit of a weird mood today, and by we, I mean me, uh, let's see, uh, Kev Hart says, uh, my, my iMac screen, uh, my TV linked to my iPad, I don't have one yet, <laughs> posh tarts, <laughs> I love it when we've got the, uh, the British folks in here, you've got the best uh, insults and slang terms, uh, I, I love it. Love it indeed. That's, uh, I won't say some of them because I don't know how appropriate they are. I've said some things before, like jokingly, uh, from, that I've heard in British comedy, and then people are like, oh, Pete, you realize that that's really harsh now. You can't actually call someone that. I'm like, oh, oh I didn't know. <laughs> Gary Hub says, my iMac screen is full of messy little fingerprints. Yes. Some of them deliberate, some of them trying to do things, and some just getting a handful of peanut butter and for some reason wanting to smear it on uh, your expensive gear. Yeah, good times, hey? Uh, right, but yeah, let, let me know. Let me know what, uh, what what your views on this. Joey Helpish in the house says, the first thing I did to my new MacBook was reach up to touch the screen, right? Yeah, we are. We're in the world of touch screening. And uh, Apple, have, uh, <laughs> Apple have famously said that they will not release a touch screen MacBook. And then what I usually say after that is dot, 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 until they do. And the joke is that they said that they would never release a small version of the iPad iPad mini came out a year later. They'll never release a video iPod. People don't want to watch video on a tiny screen. Video iPod out two years later. So yeah, that, they follow the market. That's the difference. So Apple will always do what is going to be best for the consumers. And well, okay, let's rephrase that. Apple will always do what is best for the majority of consumers. Because I know a lot of you are creators and you're like, Apple do not do things for me. You are not the norm. I hate to break it to you, but me, you, people watching this show, creators, we are not the norm. 90% of people are consumers and they use their technology as a consumption device. Using technology as a creation device, yes, is becoming more and more popular, but we are still the minority and we need to uh, realize that, uh, that we don't always have the biggest say. Uh, Top Rochelle says, um, I do that sometimes out of habit then, uh, when I switch to the MacBook after using the iPad. Yeah, it's really, it's really hard. <laughs> uh, Apple will never release a touchscreen match. Mac, yes, I'm rich and I live, love in a castle, live in a castle or love in a castle. I'm sure you do both. 
<laughs> Sometimes I live in one too. Sorry, uh, reading for the. Oh, I missed it. Reading out the um the, the chat here. I'm trying. Sometimes I make the mistake. Um, live streaming 101, especially when you have a podcast version of your live stream, is make sure when someone has a comment that you say the name of the person in the comment. There's nothing worse. Have you ever watched a or listened back to a live stream and people are just like, "Oh, that's a funny comment." Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I'm not sure. Oh, I can't believe. Oh, thank you so much. It's like it's a one-way conversation. Unless someone's following the chat on the replay, not working for you. So there you go. You, there's a bonus tip today. If you're ever doing live streams, remember, more people are going to be watching it after the live stream than during the live stream. And make sure that if you're reading comments or using comments, that you are actually expressing them and saying what is being said. And for accessibility as well. I know there's a lot of vision impaired folks that create music and are part of the community. That's why I talk so much. That's my excuse anyway, and I'm sticking with it. All right, let's jump in and start looking at some questions of the week, shall we? Once again, if you do have questions, uh, please just throw uh, them either in the chat. Uh, if, 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 you, if you can't get over to the form, just put the word question in front of your question and I'll try to answer it there. Uh, if you can though, I would prefer if you can get over to the form. It is uh, linked here in the chat and also in the description. Just go there, pop in your name and your question, like our friend Dr. Zorders has done. Sorry. Dr. Zorders has done. Uh, if, and he's got a question here. Uh, and it was actually from last week that we didn't get to. So we'll start with this one today. Uh, Dr. Zorders says, if I want to change distributor from, say, Lander to DistroKid, which in my opinion you should, do you need to remove all songs from the stores or can they somehow be transitioned across without first removing them? Yeah, now this is a great question. And the unfortunate thing is that you do need to remove them. So there is no, it's not like a mobile phone service or, or I don't know how that works in other countries, but here you can port your mobile phone service. So if you're with one company and you want to move to another, you can just say, here's my phone, uh, here's my details. And they go, cool. As of this date, you'll no longer be there. You'll be here. And oh, how much I wish that was the case. If you were with say CD Baby or TuneCore and you wanted to move to DistroKid, again, something I would recommend you do. And yes, they are a channel sponsor, so uh, hashtag sponsored. Uh, but if you wanted to move to DistroKid, you do need to actually remove all of the songs from the other distributor. So you need to go in and pull them down, remove all your albums, your EPs, your songs, and then re-upload them to DistroKid. Now, when you do that, do grab a number called the ISRC because what that can do is it can link it back up. So say you've got an album and it's in playlists or it's been uh, been played a bunch of times and you want to try and retain that. It doesn't work every single time. So it's not 100% reliable, but most of the time, if the distributors play nice and if the different platforms all work out, you should be able to add the ISRC code, re-upload it, and it will actually work. However, yeah, it, it's, uh, it is a bit clunky and it would be so much nicer if you could just move from one host to another. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, they don't, they don't tend to play super nice <laughs> is the bottom line. And um, the way that the distribution network and the way that, excuse me, sorry, I didn't want to cough right into the microphone. Uh, the way that the distribution network has been set up it is a little clunky. It's kind of been pieced together over time. Because if you think about it, originally it was like iTunes and to get things into iTunes, there were like four or five major distributors and they all just got their artists and then pushed them into iTunes. And they just, iTunes only had to manage this relationship directly with these people. Then as more and more independent artists came out, um, places like TuneCore started popping up. So TuneCore means that an independent artist or an, or an independent artist representation, like a, an indie label, could actually go and use TuneCore and TuneCore would be the intermediary between between that person and iTunes. Streaming came along and that confused the crud out of things because it wasn't just iTunes now, we had things like Spotify and then we had YouTube Music and Google Music and then Apple Music and now we've got Deezer and now we've got Amazon. and So it's expanding out and it's kind of like, you know, have you ever built something where it's just tacked on? Like you've seen those houses where it's like an old colonial style house and then they put like some weird like extension on the roof and then they're like, now we need a rumpus room. So they build a completely different kind of room on the back and they're like, now we need a pool. So they dig out the garden and put this weird shaped pool in the corner. That's what the distribution network is like, <laughs> is that it's all just been hodgepodge together as technology's increased and improved. And like most things, the best thing to do would be to just strip it all down and put like a governing body in the middle that is like an independent body that manages all this stuff that makes sure that things can move between. 
I don't think it's going to happen. Um, there's not enough. Uh, there's not enough demand for it, and it would be super complex. Like we're past the point of no return, I think. So what it means for us as creators is you kind of need to hopefully find a distributor and stick with them. And if you do want to move, yeah, it's going to be a few days of headaches because what you want to do is go in, pull everything down, jump to your new one, and then release everything else. Uh, Cody Walsh has a question here, which is, uh, going through DistroKid, how long will it take to show up in Spotify? A good and related question. So it depends. <laughs> Short answer is it depends. Uh, if it's your first release, so say you sign up brand new with DistroKid and you're a brand new artist, it can take a bit longer. It usually takes around about two weeks, about 14 days to actually get into all of the stores. Sometimes it can be three to four weeks. It does depend on a bunch of different factors that are usually outside of your control and even outside of DistroKid. Kids control because it does come down to Apple Music and Spotify and iTunes and all the different places. Because remember, it, the relationship between is between you and DistroKid, and then it's between DistroKid and about forty different distributors. So DistroKid have to do, and that's why you pay DistroKid your twenty dollars a year, so you don't have to manage. Like I know Spotify have said, oh, we're going to have direct uploads now. I couldn't think of anything worse than having to manage my direct uploads to every different distributor, unless you just wanted to say, oh, well, I'm just going to release to Spotify. But distributors are good because they go out to everywhere. So usually, uh, as Andy Goldsby says, especially once you've already released something, it's usually a couple of days uh, to, to Spotify. Amazon can take a week. Yeah, and Apple Music can take a bit longer too, maybe five to seven days. But yeah, when you, when you continue releasing, once your name's already there, you've got your Spotify for artists, you've got your Apple artist account, and you're re-releasing to those, the approval process seems to be much snappier. Uh, Kev says, uh, I released an EP weeks ago, Cody, only showed up on Spotify and Deezer last week. Uh, don't know how it all works. Yeah. And that's the thing. It is a little bit of a black box of mystery. Like you'll ask questions and you won't always get the most direct answers again, because it is so, yeah, it is so hodgepodged together. Um, yeah, uh, you're welcome. Sorry, it took me a week to uh, to actually <laughs> to get back to you and uh, answer your question. Uh, and as Jay says, moving house is easier than moving distributors. Yeah, I, uh, I I would probably agree with that. Not that I've moved house for a very long time. Um, yeah, <laughs> Tom Rochelle has a good point here where he says the whole social media ecosphere is such a mess. I have fragments of my stuff out there on so many random sites. Tell me about it. I must admit, some days I'll sit down in the morning and go, I don't actually know where to start. I've actually used tools that try to bring all your social feeds and all your social networks together, but I've kind of just given up with them. And basically my advice with this is don't get overwhelmed like I did and have done in the past. But when you're hitting that point where you're like, oh man, I don't know where my things are, like just, just accept that you're not going to be able to keep up with everything, especially if you're creating content and, and becoming a musician. What I've done is I've focused in on two platforms. YouTube is number one. Facebook is number two. Everything else is number 76. So if you've, if you've DM'd me on Instagram in the last week, you are unlikely to have had a response. Same deal with Twitter. Same deal with LinkedIn. Uh, you just have to find ways to, to streamline your time. And I spend most of my time on YouTube. I spend a chunk of my time on Facebook because it's just, it seems to be a good place for music and uh, things like the Create, Record, Release Facebook group, hint, hint, is a good place to go and hang out. And then, yeah, things like Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter. Uh, yeah, I just can't. It's overwhelm. It's social overwhelm. And um, yeah, I don't think we as humans, you know, again, in my opinion, in my experience, I don't think we as humans are designed to have have that much contact, especially those of us that are of a introverted nature, having that much contact with that many people and feeling under pressure to be responding to things all the time. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it is a hard thing. So uh, yeah, uh, and what I should do is basically just shut down anything I don't use, but uh, it, it can be useful sometimes. And I have made good connections through Twitter and Instagram in the past. It's just, it's a slow process. It's uh, not something I do, not something I do well. Uh, a question from Russ thrown in here the chat. Would you recommend releasing a video on YouTube if you're going to go through DistroKid? Yeah, this is actually also a really interesting and good question. Yes, I would. Uh, so there's a couple of ways to approach this. Uh, they will put a video. In fact, I'll show you some show me show you some demos because this might make it easier to visualize if we come over here. So if I jump over to uh, that's my website. That's Home Studio Q&A. Let's go to um, let's go to YouTube and actually I'll 
I'll search for it first. Not very organized here today. Uh, so I'll just jump over to YouTube and I'll show you because what YouTube does when you release through DistroKid, it creates a YouTube video of your song, yeah? That's so that it can be on YouTube music. So if I go to YouTube and I search New Beginning, Pete Johns, which is my latest song, it will bring us on up here. And what you'll notice is this is probably a good demo because we've got two videos here, right? So this, this Pete Johns topic channel, this is one that is created by your distributor. So if we go to this channel, you'll see that it is this one here. It's got 116 subscribers. Uh, so not many people have subscribed because it's just my music. It's an automated channel and all of the stuff on here is just this. Now I could, if I wanted to, convert this to an artist channel. Basically incorporate this in the Pete Johns channel you're watching right now. I choose not to, and the reason I choose not to make my channel an artist channel is that is great if your music is your number one thing. So if you're an artist and your music is your number one thing, yep, combine all this together. You get that little note next to your name that says you're a music channel, and it means that you can release all your behind-the-scenes stuff, all your songwriting stuff, all your tutorials, whatever you do, as well as all your music, and it's all in one place. The reason I don't do it is that about 90% of what I do around here isn't actually releasing my music, it is doing tutorials about music creation. So my channel is more of an education channel than it is a music channel. So if I brought all of this music in, YouTube kind of recategorized me as a music channel. And that's fine, except it's not really what I do. Education is what I do more of, and Q&As and live streaming and that sort of thing. So that's something to keep in mind. If we go back, you'll notice that I also, at the same time this came out, I released my own video here on my own channel. And that's something that I would recommend because you can do that. So if I come in here, this is actually on my regular Pete John's channel. And I did a little video just with a visualization here using an app called Visibel. And uh, that means that I can directly engage with people. I've got control over this, of the tags, of the comments, of the description, all of that I have control over. The only thing you need to keep in mind is that if you release through someone like CD Baby or if you have selected the YouTube content ID or the YouTube money option when you're releasing your song, then what will actually happen is if you release a video using your song on your own separate channel, it will get a copyright claim. But it's okay. It's not as bad as it sounds because it's just a copyright claim from yourself. And all that will happen is if at any point your channel is monetized and you are actually getting advertising revenue from your own channel, then it will go back to you via DistroKid. So uh, yeah, that, that's the one thing to keep in mind. And the only reason you wouldn't make your own video. But it's actually, uh, it's super cool because what you can do and I wonder if I've actually done this. If I go over to DistroKid, um, you can actually go to your hyperfollow. So if we go into this single, New Beginning, it's been a while since September. <gasps> Haven't released a song in two months. Oh, starting to jonesing for it. All right, if we come down here to the hyperfollow, which is down here, and we visit that, I think I've already got it in here. Maybe I don't. So he here's the hyperfollow page that you get here. People can preview your track. They can then link to it, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, etc. cetera. Uh, in here, you can even just add in a video. So if we edit this page, we can add in any video. So let's just say, there it is, YouTube Embed. So if we go back to YouTube again, and we go back to uh, that new beginning track that we were just looking at. Come on, YouTube. New beginning. Well, there's Sarah Newen. She's doing a stream. Better catch that one. Um, oh, new beginning. <laughs> Pete Johns. I, I don't own the new beginning search term, right? Um, yes, I am a slacker. Bubba says I'm a slacker because I haven't released a song in two months. I know, man. I've got to get onto it. All right, we're going to copy copy that one, and then we just throw that in here. We can actually embed that here in our hyperfollow page. So we save the changes there. It means oh, invalid URL. What's wrong with that? Oh, iHeartRadio. Oh. All right, no, we don't want iHeartRadio. I don't know why I had that in there with a null link. Anyway, we'll save that one in, and there you go. So now our page has this, and look, we've got our own video that we can play right there in the front. Very badly, because again, my computer needs... Uh, Needs, needs to be upgraded. Uh, right, so yeah, so that's what we can do with that. So I know that was a long answer to a short question, Russ, but that's what we do here on the show, right? <laughs> long answers, difficult answers to easy questions. No, not true. Uh, but yeah, hopefully that helped you out. Uh, we'll see if we've got any other ones. <laughs> Gary Hub says, I spent a week on TikTok. I don't have the time. I know, for something that's only uh, like 30 second, one minute videos, yeah, I don't have the time for it either. You'd think it would be a better use of time. Maybe not. 
Uh, Cody is recording vocals tonight and tomorrow for the first time. Wish me luck. Good luck, my friend. The first time is always a good time. Uh, just relax into it. That's the, that's my number one tip. If you're just starting out, just relax because uh, it's 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 as stressful as you let it be. Put it that way. So and it's as daunting as you let it be. If you just if you say uh, I've got a new phrase, which is what would this feel like if it was easy. And if you say that before you're doing some difficult things, you'll find that things are actually harder mentally than they are physically most of the time. I know, again, you probably didn't come here for like, you know, psychology 101, but sometimes the mindset going in, sometimes if you simply say, this is going to be easy, you'll be amazed at how much easier it actually is. Uh, Tom Rochelle says, I've been meaning to try Tic Tac, Twitch too. I don't understand Twitch. Subscribers are not subscribers. They have to pay for it. And oh, I, I get so confused by Twitch. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll re-explore it again one day. Um, and uh, Tim Thompson says, I use Twitter more than Facebook because uh, I can build lists and choose who I want to see easier than Facebook. Yeah. And I guess it's wherever you want to curate. And that's a good point. I curate Facebook heavily. Majority of what I see is music related. I don't actually get involved in a lot of the other discussions. I think that's why I don't use Twitter. Twitter a lot. A lot of it is people that I barely know making comments that I don't really want to listen to. And I know that makes me sound bad. It's like, I don't want to hear what they've got to say. But some of the stuff, and again, some of the random things, people forget, again, like people forget the words, in my opinion, and in my experience. And uh, that's, uh, in my opinion, that's what happens. Uh, Jay's got a link to the Visibel app. Yeah, Visibel app is very, very cool. And uh, if you want to make visualizations like the video that you saw, it is a very good thing to do. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, <laughs> that's true, actually. Jade has got a good point. She says, uh, it's kind of not true as you sung on Smoke, which was released last month. Exactly. There you go. I did I did have a release or I, I collaborated on a release last month, which was our cover of Smoke, which to my knowledge still hasn't had any copyright claims on any of our videos showing it, Jade. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if that just means that Ben Folds is super cool because it sounds exactly like the original, but it hasn't had any copyright claims at all, which is just bizarre. Uh, I'll just see if we've got any other questions or comments from the folks who are here live. Nope, we're all good. So we'll go back over to the form and we'll see if we have any other questions and then we'll jump into previous questions from through the week. We've got another couple of questions that have dropped on in here while I've been rabbiting on. So we'll, uh, we'll jump over here. Uh, Jade says it has on her videos. So it has actually claimed them. Well, there you go. So I, I did think so. I did think at least the full song. Uh, I know one of my videos where I showed how I sung it. Uh, it didn't show up, but maybe, uh, obviously it is now in the full song. Uh, question from Jade is related to this. Says, how good was it to have our cover of Ben Fold Smoke played on Aussie radio last night? Was that your first time on radio, Pete? That's a really good question. Was it my first time on radio? I believe so. And I was talking to Jade about, by the way, thank you, Jade, for, for submitting that. It was Jade's song, so her cover of Smoke, uh, which she featured uh, me singing on. And it was played on, on an Australian radio station over in Melbourne last night. Um, I Yeah, I think it is the first time I've been playing on radio. I think back in the day, there's a uh, an indie station here called 3D Radio. I think we may have submitted a demo tape to them. I don't think it ever got played. Um, I We did enter Triple J's Unearthed a couple of times, which is like an indie band competition here in Australia. I don't think we ever got played. Uh, maybe the best we had was like an MP3 up on a website at some point that people could play that nobody did. So no, I don't think uh, I don't think so. And it's interesting because I've I've been watching and and uh, observing with interest uh, folks like the the Indigo Sunset, so Stu and Andy and uh, Glenn Clark and others who have started Gary Hubs. I think you've started dabbling in it of of submitting your songs to be played on radio. And I must admit, I kind of forget that radio is a thing. I used to be a big radio guy, and in the last probably ten years, definitely the last five. I haven't actually touched radio and I, I don't listen to radio, so I kind of forget about it. And I'm, to be honest, <laughs> this is a, not a good thing to say on a, a channel about creating, recording and releasing music, but promoting music is not one of my strong points. I, I, I got people like Damien Keys, who I recommend people go and check out if they do want to promote music and if they're interested in how to get on Spotify playlists and get in front of the right people and get record deals. Don't get a record deal. They're not as good as you think. Uh, but yeah, if, if you think you want to get a record deal um, or if you want to uh, get onto the radio, but I've never actually explored it and investigated it myself. 
So maybe that's something. Maybe for 20, I'll say to Jay, for 2021, uh, because I get asked the question a lot and it's the logical next step, I guess. Look, not everyone is going to want to promote their music. The create, record, release philosophy that I have on this channel is because I saw lots of people creating, I saw enough people recording, I didn't see enough people releasing their music or finishing their songs. So the logical next step after release for, for me and for other people may be promote or distribute or get airplay. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, let me know if, if you're interested in that. If you're interested in the promotion side and if you think that maybe in the next year that I should uh, I should pivot some of the videos and focus a little more on promotion. And look, I'd, I'd probably just get the likes of Damien Keys on the channel here just to talk to you about what he already knows. Because again, that, that's who I send a lot of folks to. He's, there's a lot of people, here's a problem too, be really careful. There's a lot of people that just put out videos that are spin, that are outdated information, that are using clickbait titles to try and get you to go in there. They'll be like, how to get on 10 Spotify playlists in 24 hours. And, and it turns out that it's just spam and annoy the crap out of people for 24 hours uh, and then cross your fingers and hope for the best. Um, and a lot of them actually lead into uh, the, the fake guru courses, which again, please be very super careful. If you come across someone that you trust and it's a good value course and you get a lot of information out of it, more power to you. But there are a lot of folks out there that, again, look at the source. And it's not that people can't be giving information and training other people if they're not doing it themselves, but look for the results. If someone says to you, hey, we've, we've got 10 different artists onto Spotify playlists, say, can I please have the names of the artists and the playlists so that I can see that? Like, show me, basically. Proof's got to be in the pudding, yeah? Uh, show me what you've actually done because there's a lot of people out there. If you go onto Instagram and you start, if you start showing any interest in music, you will start getting your feed, even Facebook, even Facebook ads, you'll start getting your feed with all these producers and they're just like, hey, I'm a producer and I took my, I took my earnings from 10 dollars a month to six figures a month it's always six figures why don't they ever just say a hundred thousand dollars no i took my earnings to six figures per month and you can too just pay me 497 dollars join my mastermind and uh here's the bonuses you'll get you'll get a one hour consultation with me and then i'll show you the tips and the tricks that the industry don't want you to know about how to get into spotify playlists and get played on the radio i don't know where i got to i don't know why i went off on this tangent I think I get very passionate about people taking other people's money <laughs> when they shouldn't. Uh, but yeah, let me know about playing things on the radio. Uh, we've got some folks who are uh, who are doing things, who are telling us some information here. Uh, so Lady Rodeline said, had my first radio interview and song played back in September on a local radio station here in Norfolk. Excellent. There you go. Uh, Jade Star says, well, that's about to change this week, Peter. I submitted both your album and EP to a station last night on your behalf. So next week, things will change. Ha <laughs> ha, see what she did there. Uh, uh, Andy Goldsby says, uh, we're on radio uh, in a moment. BBC intro. There you go. So Andy Goldsby doing doing their thing. Uh, Tom Rochelle says, there are, inter there are these internet radio stations these days too. Probably easier to get on them than terrestrial. I'd imagine so. Yeah, I mean, you could you could basically say that Your Music Live is a radio show, really. It's what internet radio was. It just happens to be video as well. And, you know, I cut you off halfway through your song when you're just when you're getting to your guitar solo. Yes, viva la revolution indeed. Uh, Andy says he's been played six times now. Well, there you go. Everyone just needs to go and hassle Andy and uh, find out how he got it done. Uh, Gary says, I put my toe into production, into promotion, uh, but it's a slow go there. Ultimately, I retreated to the comfort of the mobile studio. Right? Uh, exactly right. Okay, uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah, I know, solo. I'm a, I'm a, I'm anti-solo. I've, uh, I've never liked those solos, those guitarists. I'm, I'm actually anti-shredding. Um, me and Mike from Creative Source, we both share a dislike of shredding on guitar. If you don't know shredding, that's that thing where you get a guitar and you basically just turn on an overdrive tone and just play random like like show-off like notes. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. You, you'd know it if you heard it and you probably already know what I'm talking about, but it's not, it's not used. Like maybe a few solos and a few hair metal songs from the 80s, but if it's not actually something that can be used in a song, like some of the best solos 
of all time are things like the solos from Smells Like Teen Spirit and Lithium and, I don't know, like All Along the Watchtower back in the day. They're simple, but the whole that... Who actually uses that in music? It's it, yeah. It, it's the equivalent of flexing. It's like yeah, you, you can you can show your muscles, but go lift that weight. <laughs> like don't just stand there flexing at me. Go lift the weight. Show me what you can do. Anyway, uh, yes, <laughs> Frank Gamble, the OG shredder. Uh, yeah, and again, if if you want to if you if you want to shred, then go and shred. Again, you do you. More power to you. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's not something that I dig that I'm into. Let's move on to our next. Oh, we've got more questions. Yeah, our next question. This one comes in from, <clears throat> not cough. This one comes in from Cody Walsh. Uh, oh, you've, we've, we've addressed this, I think, already. So going through DistroKid, how long does it take to show up on Spotify? So yeah, your mileage is going to vary. Can be a couple of weeks, uh, up to about four weeks. Your first release, give it at least four weeks in total, because some can take about that long time. Once you've released for the first time, uh, it seems to be anywhere from 24 hours up to about a week depending on the platform. So good luck with you for you and your releasing. A uh, question here from Heat, which is, how do I change the pitch of a drum without it going slow or fast while using the sampler? What a great question. Unfortunately, the short answer is you can't. So let's, uh, why don't we do a demo of this one, shall we? Boom. Uh, <laughs> Steve, Stevie Vai is, uh, is crying into his money right now, right? I hear you. So uh, there you go. And Frank is Australian. Thought you might know. Yeah, see, I'm I'm such a bad music person. I know I know li very little about um I know very little about uh, guitarists. People are like, who's your favorite guitarist? I'm like Kurt Cobain, because <laughs> all of the guitar like and yeah, I know Eric Clapton, I know Jimi Hendrix, I know Stevie Vai, but I wouldn't be able to say, oh, you know that performance that that one guitarist did back in 1974 that was like the epitome of. I'm like, no, I'd, I've never got into it because I just haven't had the time to invest. Uh, but let's talk the sampler here because this is a this is an important thing. If you're going to use the sampler, what a sampler does is it samples a sound. Uh, where is it? It's under here, isn't it? It samples a sound and then you can use that sound. Here's one. Oh, there's the dog bark. Yeah, this will do as an example. So there's your, there's your dog bark, right? And let's say if this was a kick drum. In fact, let's import a kick drum because it'll be, it'll be funner if we actually have an instrument in here. Now, I've got to remember where to import, <laughs> where to import sounds now because I've changed this up. They've do we do it up here? There we go, import. They've changed the sample and I must admit I haven't used it much since. So if we go into our Apple loops and let's filter by a kick drum to get ourselves a kick in here. Kick, enter. Uh, yeah, we'll use that one. So we'll hit the little download button and that puts this kick in and done. So yeah, and we only want one kick, right? So we're going to bring this one here and pop it there. And now, but as, uh, as uh, the person who asked the question said, the lower down you go, the slower it is, yeah? So now I showed you this to tell you that there really is no solution to this. The one way that you can actually do this is to use an app called uh, Audio Stretch. So it is a paid app. It's about $15 here in Australia, I think. Might be about $10 in other places. I'll use my command spacebar to search for it. Audio Stretch, not Audio Share, but Audio Stretch. And what you can do with Audio Stretch, and uh, here's one I prepared earlier. <laughs> So you can see here, I've already been playing around with this. This is already down 12 semitones. So if we take this back to its original pitch, we've just imported this as a WAV file. And if we play it, and it's also at 0.8 speed. So we can bring this back to its regular speed and pitch. So that is, uh, that is, whoop, <laughs> a bit of a vinyl thing going on there. So that's the original pitch and speed. But with this, we can actually change the pitch. So if we wanted to slow it down, but retain the pitch, we can actually do that because you can change just the speed and just bring the speed down, but keep the pitch. We'll go the other way. We can make it uh, faster. Let's make it one and a half times the speed, but retain the pitch. Oh, there you go. So that, that is my solution. So within GarageBand, unfortunately not a possibility. Uh, but yeah, if you use Audio Stretch or you can actually use, um, you can use uh, Cubasis and Aurea Pro. 
excuse me, <clears throat> on, on iOS, uh, they will also allow you to do uh, time shifting and stretching to make sure that your beats and your samples actually match things out. Um, so yeah, hopefully that helps you out. Let's jump back over to here. Uh, if anyone else has any questions, please jump into the uh, the question form and uh, you can ask your questions and uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll again answer with, you can't. But yeah, hopefully that gives you some ideas. And yeah, now I, rem now I know how to actually import into the sampler because I haven't done that in a long time and they've, uh, they've tidied up the sampler. Uh, quite a lot since I've last used it. Uh, there's the audio stretch link that Jade has been kind enough to throw down in the uh, in the chat here. So yeah, or you can. I've got a video on it. Just search my name, Pete Johns, and audio stretch, and that will help you. That will help you out. All right, let's uh, jump back over. See if we've got any more. That was all the questions in the form that we had. We've got a few more questions. Where how are we for time? Here we've got about ten more minutes. If you do have any final questions and you're here live, please throw those in the form. But what we'll do, we'll do a bit of a lightning round here on some questions that have come in through the week. So if you uh, if you have been around the channel and asking questions, you may get your question asked here anyway. <laughs> so let's jump into uh, this one here, which is, uh, so I've got a question here in my video about how to split and join tracks in GarageBand. Uh, actually, I was interested by joining function. However, my iPad just bought the latest one 2020, doesn't seem to be available. Here's the thing about splitting and joining. And uh, I'll, I'll show you a demo of this one, in fact, because it'll be easier to actually demonstrate it. So we'll pop GarageBand back up here, boom. And uh, here's the thing, we can split and join in a green MIDI track. So here's, here's Jade's drums that we have here for our song that we recently recorded. And if I wanted to split this drum performance into two different parts, I can come in here, I can find the spot that I want to split it, I can tap, I can tap again, I can go split, I can go jump. I can split this into two different sections. I can then move this section around and I can do whatever I need to do with it. If I then decide I want to bring these all back, so say I chopped it up into more, like let's just do another quick split here. Say I chopped it up into a bunch of different sections, like so, uh, and we've got three different sections there, and I didn't want these three sections anymore, we can actually join them together. So to join them together, we need to highlight all of them. So I'll just drag around all of them, tap on there, tap again, and go join. And like magic, it actually glues those suckers together. So they all just become the one item. The problem is, I can't do the same with, say, this bass. So this bass I recorded in two different sections. So as I was going along here, uh, you can see here I must have made a mistake here. So there's the first bass. And it's chopped into there. If I wanted to say, let's bring this all together, I can't actually join these two. So we'll tap and hold, we'll do the tap and then hold, select both of those. And if we tap them, what you'll notice here, we have split, but we don't have join. So GarageBand allows you to rejoin MIDI tracks, and I think it works on drummer tracks too, um, anything virtual. But anything that's actual audio, it won't work. If you really want to, if you want to bring this back together as one entire track, you'll need to use the merge function, which is over here on the actual track menu. So if you tap on the bass guitar here and hit the merge button, it will say, which do you want to merge? We want to merge that whole track. We hit the merge button. It makes a backup copy of our whole project. It merges these down, which basically means renders them down into a new stereo audio file. And in a moment, it'll normalize it too to make it at a higher volume. So you will need to turn it down. But there you go. You can see it's brought it all together. And the merge function is super cool because you can merge not only one track, but say I had all these backing vocals and I wanted to free up some tracks. I could merge all these backing vocals into one stereo track and save myself a bunch of tracks that way as well. So that's something to keep in mind. You can't use the join function on your audio tracks, but you can indeed uh, merge them together to uh, get to work around that. And you can join your MIDI tracks. So hopefully that helped you out. And anyone else who has a question about that, hopefully it helped you out too. Let's jump into our next question. Uh, I think this is a similar, we've got a lot of distribution questions happening today. So another one here, how to release singles as an album uh, with DistroKid. And Muxy Music says, if I've, update, if I've uploaded a six track EP for pre-order, can I release songs within that pre-order? So I'm just trying to get the, gauge the question here. So if you've got an EP, that you've got set. Say you've got an EP coming out on the 1st of January, 2021, just to make it simple. You've uploaded it, it's ready to go. You've got pre-order on. 
If you want to release the individual singles from that EP, you absolutely can. Say you want to give people a teaser and track one, you want to release on the 1st of December. Oh, hang on, we're past that. <laughs> the 20th of December, what you could do is actually go in and re-upload just that single with a different album artwork and with the single title, and then make that one available as of the 20th of December. If the question here is actually, if you upload it, can people pre-order just individual tracks? That's a good question. And I'm not 100% sure. I would imagine so. I don't think many people would do that. But the way iTunes pricing works is that usually, if it's, say, 99 cents per track, and it's a six-track EP, it'll be $5.95, or you can set a separate EP price. But people should be able to pre-order just a single from, just, uh, from an EP, I think. That's a really good question. Next time I do an EP, or if anyone has the answer here on the live show, uh, let me know. But next time I do an EP or an album, uh, then I will find that out. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll research it for you and hopefully get an answer. Um, oh, we've got uh, other options here from, from Jade. For You can also use BeatTime, Transcribe Plus, AnyTune Pro. All apps do the same thing. Yeah, find the one that works for you. There's a lot of different apps now. Unfortunately, you can't uh, do time stretching natively in GarageBand, but there are a heap of apps that can let you do. Uh, Gary Hub says, uh, I should really use the merge function more. Would save me some optimizing performance. Yeah, it, it does. It does actually help you out. Um, uh, because yeah, the, the, the reason optimizing performance pops up is when you've got a lot of tracks with a lot of plugins, a lot of automation, a lot of processing, a lot of virtual instruments. You'd think that they would be easy to play, but they're actually not. Because what optimizing performance does is it takes all of your tracks and it, does, it basically auto-merges them. So if you've ever seen optimizing performance, what happens is suddenly your project goes from like 100 megabytes to like 500 megabytes. If you've ever seen that happen, it's because it's making a copy. It's rendering out each individual track. That's why optimizing performance takes so long if you've got a really big project because it's taking every stereo track and creating a high-resolution AIF file of each individual track, storing them in the project so that when you're playing back, it can just play back the audio of each of those tracks. It doesn't have to process any of your effects in real time. It's actually a really clever algorithm. And if Apple would just come out and explain that that's what it does, instead of just making it this frustrating mystery, I think everyone would be on board. If you were told your project will crash, your iPad will melt, and your entire song will become corrupt unless we spend these five minutes optimizing it for you and saving you from yourself, I think more people would go, I'm in. Of course, why would I say no to that? But because just a random thing pops up with no time elapsed, no time remaining, you've got no idea what's going on, it's just doing some mysterious process, I think that's why people get super frustrated with optimizing performance. Um, let's see if we've got any other question. There you go. Oh, Lexus Audio. Yeah, exactly. Don't forget about Lexus Audio Editor. I've done a video on that one too. And uh, you can do time stretching of a sample. And I've, I've demonstrated that in Lexus before. It does work. It's a little clunkier, uh, but it can work for sure. And uh, Jade says it must be possible to do it because many artists have the album up for pre-order with some tracks available before. Yeah, you can definitely have, you can definitely separately have individual tracks and then the whole album for pre-order. I'm just not sure if you can pre-order. I don't know why anyone would. Who's going to pre-order like two songs off your upcoming album? Just, just pre-order the whole thing. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, we've got a couple more questions. We've got about five minutes more time. Uh, so yeah, if you do have any final questions and you're here live, please let me know. Uh, let's move on to this question here from uh, Jorge Castillo says, uh, can I use a wi any wireless mouse or does it need to be the one you have? Good question. Considering we're talking about keyboards and mices, it can be any Bluetooth mouse. So if you're using, if you want to use a mouse or a keyboard with your iPhone or iPad, you can use any Bluetooth keyboard and any Bluetooth mouse. These are the ones I use and always have. I like Logitech. I'm a Logitech fan. And um, yeah, again, they don't sponsor the channel. Maybe they should. Logitech, hit me up. <laughs> but I like this one. This is the K480 from Logitech. You can see it can connect up to three different devices here. Connects via Bluetooth, has PC and Apple keys on here. So you can control both devices. And as I said, up to three. So you can have your PC, your iPad, and your iPhone all controlled by one keyboard. And it's got this little slot here that you can slide your iPad or your iPhone into makes it super convenient for on the go and the mouse I use is this one which is the Logitech M590 which is the silent mouse it clicks like this you can barely hear the clicking 
the scroll wheels a bit a bit more. Oh, it's connected to my iPad. I realize my iPad's just going nuts here in the background. Uh, but that's the one that I like, uh, Logitech M590. But yeah, any any Bluetooth keyboard. And by the way, those are those are linked up there, studiolivetoday.com slash gear, if you're in the market for any gear for your home studio. But yeah, any Bluetooth mouse or keyboard will work. You can also use a USB key. I don't have my adapter handy. You can use a USB keyboard if you've got a uh, USB-C to USB-A uh, adapter for your iPad Pro or a lightning to USB 3 adapter from Apple, the genuine one for your iPad or your iPhone with a lightning adapter. That means you can plug in any USB combo of keyboard and mouse, any standalone mouse, standalone keyboard. Uh, and you can use, of course, your keyboard cases. Uh, if you want something like the Magic Keyboard, if you've got $350 plus burning a hole in your pocket, then you can go get the Magic Keyboard. I, I, I actually love my Magic Keyboard. I know I was so hesitant to buy it, uh, but I, I did end up getting it on the recommendation of, uh, of our wonderful moderator, Jade Star. And uh, yeah, it felt really, felt really bad walking out of the shop after buying it because it's $500 Australian. Uh, but then when I plugged it in and started using it, yeah, it is the most convenient thing because you've got the trackpad, you've got the keyboard, it's all built in there. Anyway, uh, yeah, my, my gear recommendations are indeed over there and they are affiliate links. So they will break off a small chunk and send it to me if you make a purchase. So uh, that is something that you can do. Um, we've got people talking about dogs. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I met an eight-week-old St. Bernard just now. See, it's Flat Earth and Puppy Weekly. I'm changing the name of the show, Flat Earth and Puppy. I'll get Basil in here, my little uh, my little dude, and he can be a mascot of the show. Puppies, or it could be Puppies versus Flat Earthers. Who is more intelligent? I think that's a topic for a future show. Oh, my Flat Earther, um, my Flat Earther contingency is going to just destroy my channel now. They're all going to jump. They're all going to run and uh, leave because I've, uh, I've disrespected their rights to believe wrong things. Okay. In my opinion, in my opinion and in my experience, the Earth is actually around. Wow. We're, uh, we're getting way off track here. So it must be time to finish up here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your questions. It is your questions that make this show. Don't forget that. Just like when we do Your Music Live, it's your music that makes the show. When we do Home Studio Q&A, it's your questions that make the show. And if you don't ask enough questions, I start talking about dogs and conspiracy theories. And nobody wants to hear that. Uh, if you are around later tonight, uh, we have home. No, we don't. We have the happy hour. And I'm playing some movie songs today. Yeah. Some of the some of the best songs from the soundtracks of some of my favorite movies I will be presenting in acoustic form. So that should be a whole lot of fun. That'll kick off in four hours time. So if you are around, set your clocks. Just just say just say this. I'm, I'm gonna ruin everyone's thing. Hey Siri. Set a reminder for four hours time to watch Home Studio Q and A. Did it work? Nice. There you go. So if any of you have your phones handy and you had that playing through a speaker, you now have a weird reminder set for four hours time and you'll be there. You'll be like, curses, Pete. Why did you do that to me? And uh, yeah, you'll be. Anyway, uh, I'm going to move on from that. Tomorrow we got uh, GarageBand Weekly and uh, we'll be chatting about all things GarageBand uh, and that'll lead into uh, Jade Star, who's kicking off another week of her How to App series on her uh, channel, which has now passed 1,000 subscribers. So can I get a can I get a round of applause and some some golf claps for Jade Star? If you're not already subscribed to Jade Star, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> you need to get over there. She covers the in-depth stuff. I scrape, I scratch the surface, and then she digs down and pokes and jabs and gets her hands dirty with all of the different app stuff. She's got a very cool app coming up. I won't spoil it. I'll be looking at that same app as well uh, in GarageBand Weekly, just very briefly, and then I'll be handballing over to Jade where she will be taking a deep dive on into it. Uh, so you've got all that to look forward to tomorrow. And uh, yeah, please, as we say every week, um, please be kind to yourself first and foremost. Remember when the oxygen mask comes down, you must fit it to your own face before you help those small people, dogs, puppies, even flat earthers around you. You must help yourself first. I'm going to get the flag. It's going to be like that conspiracy theory flag is going to go onto this show. And they will be like, why is this home studio show have the conspiracy flag? May not be factual information. Uh, but yeah, be nice to others. Be kind to others as well. Keep creating, recording and releasing. And I'll see you real soon. Take care, everybody. Bye.